0: If you do not have a handout yet, if you want to grab a handout, they're on the music stands on both back corners there. So grab one of those. They're pins if you need them as well. And we're on week 13. We're in the home stretch of our study of the attributes of God. We have four more weeks of that before we hit Christmas fellowships. And so we are in the home stretch. Obviously, there's a lot more than 17 attributes of God, but that's what we have for this semester. And so much of God's nature for us to learn and study. And I'm grateful you're you're here for it. So, thankful that William and Greg taught the last two weeks. They did a great job teaching us about God's nature, but I'm really thankful to get to be back with you guys tonight as we come to our 13th week. So, I want to open us in prayer tonight as we jump in. So, would you join me in prayer? Father, we are thankful that you're a God who reveals himself. That we don't have to guess who you are. We don't have to guess what your nature is like. We don't have to deduce all this for ourselves. The God that you've spoken in the pages of scripture and you've revealed your character, your nature, your attributes to us. So, pray tonight we would not take that for granted. God, do you fill our hearts with awe and wonder at the fact that you have made yourself known to us and you desire for us to know you, not for who we imagine you to be, but, God, for who you really are. And so it becomes an attribute that, honestly, we don't think about very often. I pray that you would stretch us and just give us a sense of awe and wonder at your greatness tonight, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight, you see there in your handout, tonight we're talking about God is jealous. Probably, in my mind, one of the least talked about attributes of God, that God is a jealous God. Now, when you start talking about, hey, at church last night, we talked about God's jealousy. People may kind of look at you really, really funny. And here's why. J.I. Packer is a great author and theologian. Look at what he says about this, this attribute of God. He said, the jealous God, doesn't it sound offensive? For we know jealousy, the green-eyed monster, is a vice, one of the most cancerous and soul-destroying vices that there is whereas God we are sure is perfectly good how then could anyone ever imagine that jealousy is found in him and that's a great question for us if jealousy is such a vice for us how can a holy god who is fully good and fully perfect be jealous and it be good and that's what we're going to dig into tonight and the friends the reality is i just pray god has revealed to us so the scripture minute, that he is a jealous god and we want a god Not of our imagination, we want to know God for who he has revealed himself to be in his kindness for us. Now to get us thinking about this, I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 48 there on the front of your handout tonight. Now know this text does not talk about God's jealousy, but the truth here is foundational to understand what we're going to see about God's jealousy tonight. Now the context of Isaiah 48, God's people are in exile in Babylon God's about to do unprecedented things, and God's going to raise up a pagan king to deliver God's people back to their land. And so what you see here is God setting the stage, explaining what he's going to do. But notice as we read this, why God does what he does. This is so foundational to understanding the attribute of his jealousy and I. But notice Isaiah 48. This is God speaking. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I've refined you, but not as silver. I've tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Now, before you turn the page, just camp out there for just a minute here. Why does God do what he does? Notice this phrase. It's repeated multiple times here. For my name's sake. And then verse 11. For my name's sake, for my own sake. I mean, over and over in this text, God tells us he does what he does. For his glory. He does what he does for his praise, for his own sake. That is what everything is built to. So for us to understand tonight, this attribute that causes people to scratch their heads that God is jealous. We have to start here. Everything God does, he does for his glory, for his praise, for his fame, for the sake of his name. And so we've got to start with that. So now turn the page and let's start thinking about the idea of jealousy. So before we get to God's jealousy, let's think about how we typically think of jealousy. So how would you Define jealousy, and I gave you a picture to help us define jealousy as we think about it. There's a kid sitting there with his apple and fruit juice looking at the kid next to him with the Coca-Cola and the, I imagine, chocolate chip waffle right there. There's your picture of jealousy. What is jealousy? Jealousy is I want what you have, and I hate you because I don't have it. That's really what jealousy is in our lives. When we experience jealousy is we want what someone else has, and so we hate them because they do not have it. Now, if you look up a dictionary definition of jealousy, the word they tie it with is the word envy. Jealousy is you're envious of what another person has. You're envious of another person's success. What you want, some, what you want something that someone else has. And so, in our English language and our culture, jealousy normally has a negative connotation. And so that's why when we say, hey, God is a jealous God, we kind of like, oh, that doesn't sound right because our jealousy is like the jealousy in this picture. We want something that belongs to someone else. But the question is, can jealousy be positive? And the answer is actually yes. There is a good type of jealousy that longs to protect relationships. You think about a marriage relationship. It is good for a husband to feel jealous For his wife's affection alone. It is good for a wife to feel jealous for her husband's affection alone. This is an exclusive relationship. And so there's a holy God-given jealousy in that sense of wanting to guard the purity of that relationship. There's even a spiritual jealousy as Paul pulls from this image of a marriage relationship to show the spiritual jealousy that he feels that is good. You see it there on your hand on 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. This is, for I feel a divine jealousy for you. Now that's not the word you normally pair up, right? Divine and jealousy. He says, I feel a divine, God-given jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. So Paul has a divine good jealousy, longing for the Corinthian church to be pure, to follow Christ, to be set apart, to not follow the ways of the world, what the Bible would call spiritual adultery. He wants them to be pure for Christ. And so there's a good jealousy, a good longing he feels wanting the purity of the church. So there can be a good jealousy and marriage and spiritual stuff as well with this. But what about when we come to God? What is God's jealousy? Here's several different attempts to define it. Wayne Grudem, who's normally one of my favorite definitions, it's not my favorite definition tonight, Grudem says he continually and earnestly seeks to protect his own honor. Now that's a good foundation, but that's not all there is. That's a good starting place for us. Like we saw in Isaiah, the foundation that says God is committed to his glory, he's committed to his honor. But I think the idea of God's jealousy needs to go beyond just He seeks his own honor. That's where I like what the ESV Study Bible does. They say God's jealousy is not the sinful emotion of envy that characterizes our human jealousy. It is God's righteous concern to protect the truth that he is the creator of the universe and that he alone, not gods of human invention, deserves human praise. Those who worship idols provoke God's jealousy and receive his wrath as Israel has experienced in the wilderness. So I think this is starting to focus in the right direction. That yes, God's jealousy is his commitment to protect his name, his honor, and his glory. But there's a relational aspect to his jealousy. There's a relational focus to his jealousy. And this is where I love what John Frame does. with I think this is one of the best definitions of jealousy for God. Frame says, "...the Hebrew and Greek words used to describe God as jealous in Scripture mean a passionate zeal to guard the exclusiveness of a marriage relationship." So biblically, God's jealousy is his passionate zeal to guard the exclusiveness of his relationship to his people. So the way I summarize it, therefore, you see it in bold there's God's jealousy is God's desire and his commitment for his people to worship him alone. That God is jealous that we would not fill our lives with idols, but that we'd worship him and him alone. And notice in that definition that his jealousy is directed to his people. This is important for us. God is not jealous for his enemies. His enemies are already under his wrath, and he is being glorified through the judgments that come on them, as we will see in the next few weeks. The judgment of the lost brings God glory. God's jealousy is not directed to them. His jealousy is directed to his people who claim to know him but turn their backs on him. This is that desire to be worshipped by his people and to be worshipped alone without idols in their life. Now, once you see that God's jealousy, I know this is a weird attribute for a lot of us, is seen throughout Scripture. And once again, this important truth you've heard me say over and over again this attribute is revealed by God, not reasoned by us. This is not us trying to make sense of stuff and piece together and come to some conclusions. God in Scripture clearly tells us that He is a jealous God. I love how J.I. Packer describes it. He says, When God brought Israel out of Egypt to Sinai, to give them his law and covenant. His jealousy was one of the first facts about himself which he taught them. Now think about that. If you, were, if you were God, if I were God, and I'm going to introduce myself to my people, would you start here? Wouldn't most of us start with, hey, I am God and I love you and I love your kids. and you? That's where our culture goes, but that's not where God begins with this. One of the first things God reveals to himself to his people is that he is a jealous God. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. This is from the Ten Commandments. God says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. So he begins early in the Ten Commandments with this demanding the exclusive worship of his people, and he literally wrote this in stone. This was that important that God carves this into the stone and says, I am a jealous God. Now he elaborates for us a little bit more just a few chapters later in Exodus 34. He said, take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it becomes a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram for you shall worship no other God for, here's the big reason, the Lord whose name is jealous. Now let us think in one of God's names Is jealous, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. I think God knows we're dents and have trouble with this, right? So he repeats it. He says, my name is jealous, and I am jealous. Why is this important? Because he says, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of their daughters for your sons, and their daughters whore after the gods and make your sons whore after their gods. Notice the language here that God is describing people's idolatry and not worshiping him as whoring after false gods. God is a jealous God who is committed to his worship and his worship alone. So turn the page. You see in other parts of Scripture as well. In 1 Kings 14, And Judah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, what was evil? This is the idolatry under Rehoboam's reign here. They did what was evil. They did idolatry in the sight of the Lord. And they provoked him to jealousy with their sins that they committed, more than all that their fathers had done. Or Ezekiel chapter 8, this is a vision of Ezekiel some 400 years before Jesus came. And in this vision, he's transported to the temple in Jerusalem. And notice what he sees about the nature of God when he's given this vision of God in the temple. Here's what Ezekiel writes. He put out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my head. And the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven, And brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the gateway of the inner court that faces north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of the Lord, of the God of Israel was there, like the vision that I saw in the valley. Then he said to me, Son of man, lift up your eyes now towards the north. So I lift up my eyes towards the north, and behold, north of the altar gate in the entrance was this image of jealousy. And he said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary, but you will see still greater abominations. And so he gets this terrifying vision of God saying, I'm leaving my sanctuary here because the people are committing idolatry. I'm a jealous God, and they're not devoted fully to me. Look at Psalm 78 as well. Psalm 78. Psalm says, Yet they tested and they rebelled against the Most High God. They did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. When God heard, he was full of wrath and he utterly rejected Israel. And we'll see this in a minute. God's jealousy leads to actions against his people. There's one other type of jealousy you see in Scripture, and I want you to see it here. There are times when God's jealousy is described in terms of him being jealous for the protection of his people when the enemies assail them. Look at how his jealousy is described in Zechariah 1. So the angel who talked to him, he said to me, cry out, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion, the enemies are turning on God's people and he's jealous for his people and he wants what is right for them. In Zechariah similarly, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy and I'm jealous for her with great wrath. But lest we think that's just an Old Testament attribute, remember God is the same God of the Old Testament and New Testament. There's such a wrong misconception today that God was a God of judgment in the Old Testament, a God of mercy in the New Testament. God does not change. We saw that early in our study. God is immutable. He is unchanging. So the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, the God of today. His character never changes. So 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he this is in the context of warnings about our sin and warnings about idolatry. Shall we provoke? This means we can, as God's people, we can provoke God even today to jealousy. Now, friends, I realize those are probably not the verses in any of your devotional books in the last few months, right? This is not the attribute that we hear on Caleb or whatever Christian radio station that we listen to. These are not the verses that we run to, but these are verses of God's revelation that He gives to us because we need this truth about who. He is. So let's draw some conclusions from those verses and throw in a few other verses. I hope you've already seen these as we've worked through these foundational verses. But the first truth here is that God's jealousy is directed towards his people. Again, this is so important. We need to let that sink in. Again, this is not towards his enemies. His wrath is directed to his enemies. His judgments are coming to his enemies. This is directed to his people who are called by his name. Friends, if you are in Christ, this means God feels a holy jealousy for you. James 4 tells us this. If you were with us when we studied James several years ago here at Gateway, we dug in on this one. But in James 4, James says, I and mean, he doesn't mince any words here, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, if it wishes to be a friend of the world, makes himself an enemy of God. Do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, here it is, he yearns jealously Over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you were with us when we studied James several years ago, when it says he yearns jealousy over the spirit. He is made to dwell within us. He's talking about our human spirit, that inner man, that inner woman, that inner person that lives forever, the part of you that knows God intimately. He yearns jealously for that part. He's yearning jealously for your heart and your soul. It means that he longs with intensity for you to worship him alone, for you to adore him, for you to abide in him, for you to love him, for you to obey him. He feels that yearning over you and your inner person that he has within you. He desires for you to love him and worship him alone. He takes his relationship with you that seriously. So this attribute is directed towards his people. Number two, his jealousy is specifically directed towards his people's idolatry. So his, his, his jealousy towards his people is specifically towards their idolatry. Now, what is idolatry? One of the best definitions I found came from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia and here's what the ISBE says. Idolatry originally meant the worship of idols or the worship of false gods by means of idols. But it came to mean among the Old Testament Hebrews any worship of false gods, whether by images or otherwise, and finally the worship of Yahweh through visible symbols. But ultimately in the New Testament, idolatry came to mean not only the giving to any creature or human creation, the honor or devotion which belonged to God alone, but the giving to any human desire, a precedence over God. God's will. Now, circle that, highlight that, mark that one right there. There's a danger for us in thinking that, oh, I don't bow down to a statue. I didn't build a golden calf. I don't have an asherah pole in my backyard. I'm okay. But idolatry in the Bible, in the New Testament age, is any human desire that we give precedence to over God's will. That means, friends, the reality is there are idols in my heart and there are idols in your heart As well. So when we start thinking about God's jealousy to the idols, this is not for us to be like, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. We very much have to deal with this because James 4. God yearns jealously for us to worship him and him alone. And there are things in my heart this week and things in your heart this week that we love more than God. And he feels a holy jealousy for us to not love anything more than him. Whether it's money, whether it's material things, whether it's our reputation, whether it's our careers or academic success, whether it's the opinions of others, whether it's our own families. There's so much that can even be good that can become idols that we desire and love more than God And so God still feels jealousy towards his people. So turn the page there at the top of page four. To understand what, what God feels on this and what God does, we need to remember that God is all glorious. So we started with, he alone deserves and requires exclusive worship. So Exodus 20 again. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or is in the earth beneath, or is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. He's saying don't worship anything else. Now, for us, he probably needs to be telling us here, don't love your career more than me. Don't love people more than me. Don't love ministry more than me. Don't put anything before me. Deuteronomy 6 tells us something similar. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. This is that big word there. With all, with all your heart, with all your soul, With all your might. God is saying, you have to love me supremely more than anything else in your life. Therefore, his jealousy is directed towards his people when they fail to do that. When I love anything more than God, God feels a holy jealousy in that. When you love and pursue anything more than God, God feels a jealousy towards you, his child. Number three that flows from that. God's jealousy is often accompanied by judgment and discipline. Jealousy is not just a feeling. It's expressed by God as well. You see, it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike. Deuteronomy 6, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him at Massa, you shall diligently keep the commands of the Lord your God and his testimonies and statutes which he has commanded you. And so you see the seriousness which God takes when his people turn their backs on him to go after the other idols. And friends, as followers of Christ, though all of our idolatry is paid for by Christ on the cross, when he said it's finished, all the idols of my heart got paid for on that. God in his love for us still disciplines us for those idols in our life. He still will discipline us and pursue us to free us from the idolatry of our heart. That's why Hebrews tells us for they, that our parents disciplined us for a short time Doesn't seemed best to him, but he, God disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. So God takes our exclusive worship of him so seriously that he will in his love discipline us to free us from those idols of our life so that we worship him supremely. This also number four leads us to show, see that it's very good for God to be jealous Whereas jealousy is so bad for us, it is so good for God. What's the difference here? It's where it comes from. Notice our jealousy comes from envy. Remember that picture a few pages earlier? I want what you have and I hate you because I don't have it. That's where our jealousy comes from. And I love how one of my, you've heard me say before, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 73, Psalm of Asaph. And notice how Asaph realized his sinful envy in his heart. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled My steps had nearly slipped. He was saying, I was going down a sinful path. Why? For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Even Asaph, who was a worship leader for King David, said, I went down a sinful path because I began to harbor envy in my heart. I looked at the lost world out there and saw their prosperity. I saw that he goes on to talk about the fatness out there and the wickedness, and he became envious of that. And so, friends, it's a reminder, our jealousy is wrong because it comes from envy, I want something I don't have. I wish I had the popularity of that singer. I wish I had the strength of that athlete. I wish I had the fame of that movie star. I wish I had more money. I wish I had a different house. I wish my life was easy without these trials. On and on we go where we want something that is not ours. So our jealousy comes from envy, but for God, it is not. God's jealousy is not sinful. God's jealousy is good. Why, friends? Because there's nothing that does not already belong to God. God's not in heaven going like, oh, I really wish that star was mine. It's already his. He made it. He's not like, oh, man, I wish that that country was mine. He's sovereign over the nations. Like there's nothing that God's up in heaven going, oh, I wish that was in my reach. Everything is made by God. There's nothing that's not in his reach. So there's nothing for God to be jealous about that's outside of it, envious about, because he already owns everything. Psalm 50, 10 to 12. It says, for every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills, I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. God does not need anything out there. So the only jealousy God feels is when his people who say they love him turn their backs on him to worship other things. That's the only thing God is jealous for is the worship of himself. And that is a good thing, not a sinful thing. I love how J.I. Packer says it. You see it there on the bottom of page 4. We must remember that those elements and human qualities which show the corrupting effects of sin have no counterpart in God. God's jealousy is not a compound of frustration, envy, and spite, as human jealousy so often is, but appears instead as a literally praiseworthy zeal. There's this phrase, a praiseworthy zeal to preserve something supremely precious. What God feels in jealousy is that praiseworthy zeal to preserve something supremely precious. Precious. And so what is God preserving that is so precious? God is and here's the top page five. God is zealous for his glory and to be worshipped by his people. That is what he is preserving. That is what he is committed to, is his own glory, the worship of his people. You know these texts well, but Revelation 4, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you create all things, and by your will they existed, and they were Created. God is zealous for his glory. And what we already saw from Isaiah 48, I want to remind you of it again. It's such a good text to meditate on. For my own sake, for my own sake. And God's not stuttering here, by the way, guys. He didn't forget he said it. It's just that important. You know, when I need to get my kids' attention, I say something to them over and over again until they listen. This is what God's doing here because it's so counter to our tendency that makes everything about us. God says, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. How should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to Another. So notice the conclusion in light of all this, friends. If God alone is worthy, and he is, then for him to long for something to be exalted more than himself would be wrong. There's nothing more worthy than God. There's nothing more pure than God. There's nothing more holy than God. There's nothing more glorious than God. And so for God to elevate us or anything else above himself would be so wrong because nothing else deserves the place he is. That means God's jealousy is good because he alone is good and worthy of all praise, our jealousy is wrong because I don't deserve that spot. Your jealousy is wrong because you don't deserve that spot. Nothing deserves that spot but God Himself. And so, God, if God elevated us or any of those things we want instead to that place, God would be in sin because He'd be exalting something besides what's pure to that spot. So, God's jealousy is good because He alone is good and He alone is worthy of praise. Now, leads to number five: God's jealousy is consistent with His love. And don't miss this. These aren't, God's attributes don't fight. You've heard me say that several times. God's attributes don't conflict with one another. God is holy. God is just. God is gracious. God is righteous. God's attributes don't fight each other. We saw this the first week, the unity of God. God is fully all of his attributes all of the time. And so God's jealousy is consistent with his love. I love how John Frame describes it. He says, his jealousy is, is one aspect of his love. Now, chew on that when you're trying to go to sleep tonight, right? The, <laughs> jealousy is an expression of his love. Now, how so? What are you doing with this, John Frame? Here's how he explains it. Although God has some love for all of his creatures, as we have seen, he has an exclusive love for his own people, and he demands the same of them. When they violate that love, he behaves like a godly husband, he becomes jealous. There's nothing wrong with that jealousy. It reflects the intensity of his love. When a man's beloved wife turns away and loves another man, he is rightly jealous. If he were not, that would be evidence that he does not care for her. And how much so does a holy God with no sin, who made us, knowing we'd rebel against him, who still redeemed us and took the wrath that we deserve and put it on Christ, and who yearns for us to worship him and him alone. In that period of that love, how could God not be jealous when we turn away. God's jealousy is a part of his love. And then likewise, as well, you see there, God would not be loving if he let us settle for the worship of anything or anyone beside him. Friends, if my kids went out back today and said, Dad, I'm going to eat the pine straw in the backyard for dinner. I'm not going to be like, yeah, that's fine. No worries. You're, you're good. I love my kids. If I see them doing something harmful, hey, Dad, I'm going to play in the main road out there. I'm going to play on Bell Road after church tonight in the dark. Okay, sure. If I let them do that, I wouldn't be loving to them. I love them too much to let them do that. The same with the Lord. God loves us too much to let us be satisfied for all the base pleasures of the world. God loves us too much to let us give our hearts to idols instead of to himself. Only he can satisfy. And so God loves us too much to leave us in our idolatry. It says here on your handout, God knows we find the most joy when we're satisfied in him. Therefore, God's jealousy is also love because he demands we worship him alone for his glory. You hear me say this all the time. And for our joy. The more that we worship God, the more joy we will find and the more glory that He receives. So, when we think of God's jealousy, this is not contrary to His love. It is part of His deep, intense, faithful love for His people and it's good for us. So, how does this attribute change our daily lives? If we think about God's jealousy, how should this shape my life tonight and tomorrow? How should this shape your life tomorrow as so we think about the fact that our God is a jealous God? I want to suggest just three things. Number one, It should lead us to be jealous and zealous for his honor. We should be jealous and zealous for his honor as well. This is a communicable attribute. Think all the way back to the beginning. And communicable attributes are the ones that God does not share with us. He's omnipresent. I will never be omnipresent, right? There are things that is unique to him that he does not give to his creation, but there are attributes that he shares with us in part. These are communicable attributes. And so we're to be jealous for now. The clarity here for us, we're not, this is not communicable that we're to be jealous for our own honor. It's not us being jealous for our own namesake. This is us being jealous for his namesake. We're to have, we're to be jealous for the same thing he is jealous for. And that's his glory, his renown, his fame. Now, if you want a fascinating example in scripture that's not preached often, it's probably not in our devotional text, it's Numbers 25. Now, before I read it, let me give a quick disclaimer here. We're to copy the attitude here not the action, okay? This is Old Testament Israel. This is a very specific situation here of them being a theocracy of God's rule, specific situation of the temple here. This is not saying, hey, the pastor told me to go kill people who dishonor God. That's not what this is about here, okay? This is the heart for God's fame that we need to do. And now the context here is Israel was under the judgment of God. They had given up to the idols of other nations. And the words of the scripture they had hoarded themselves after these other idols and the people of other lands. And so there's judgment that God has brought on his people to bring them to a place of repentance. And as the people are trying to deal with their sin, notice what happens. Numbers 25. Behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family. And the sight of Moses and the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent, of meeting, so just pause right there. This is a mockery of the Lord, because people are repenting for their idolatry, and a guy brings a woman in who's an idolater and takes him to her tent to have relationships with her in there, and does it in a very visible way that's a mocking of God's people and God's rules. When Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand. And went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel. And that he was, notice this, he was jealous with my jealousy among them. Now, again, this is a specific situation that so we don't copy his actions here, but we copy his heart here. That he was beside himself, that God's name was being mocked. He was beside himself that someone was mocking the holy God and was bringing judgment on the people of Israel. And so it says here, he was jealous with my jealousy among them. This is not the Israel's assessment of it. This is God speaking here. This is the Lord saying he was jealous of my jealousy among them. So I did not consume the people of Israel and my jealousy Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it will be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. And so again, that's not a normal kid's Bible story, right? That's not the one in most of our devotionals. But you see the heart of a man who could not stand seeing the holiness of God mocked in front of people, and he took action because he was jealous for God. That's what we see in 1 Kings 19. I've been very jealous for the Lord the God of hosts. I love how J.C. Ryle describes it. He says, zeal in religion is a burning desire to please God, to do His will, and to advance His glory in the world in every possible way. It's a desire no man feels by nature, which the Spirit puts in the heart of every believer when he is converted. Friends, if we don't feel a yearning for God's name, then we probably do not know God, because when we come to know God and see Him for who He is, the Spirit of God within us gives us a jealousy for God's honor. Whether we hear his name used flippantly, whether we hear him mocked and belittled, when we see people ignoring his word and when we see a lost world not worshiping because they don't know about him, all those things should grieve our hearts as followers of God because we long for God's name to be worshiped and honored and held up in uh, in front of all the nations. So we should be jealous for God's honor. Well, number two, it should lead us to seek God's grace for greater holiness in our lives. Friends, these verses remind us of how seriously God views sin And how seriously God views the idols of my heart and your heart as well. This is what Calvin said. The Lord very frequently addresses us in the character of a husband. As he performs all the offices of a true and faithful husband. So he requires love and chastity from us. As we do not prostitute our souls to Satan. As the purer and chaster a husband is, the more grievously he is offended when he sees his wife inclining to a rival. So the Lord who has betrothed us to himself in truth declares that he burns with the hottest jealousy whenever, neglecting the purity of his holy marriage, we defile ourselves with, abominate, with abominable lust, especially when the worship of his deity, which ought to have been most carefully kept unimpaired, is transferred to another or adulterated with some superstition. These texts remind us that God is serious about us pursuing him. And as we say often, friends, we can't do this on our own we need his grace to give us a love for holiness. We need his grace to give us the strength to walk with him. I love how First Peter says it. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. And all your conduct since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Last conclusion that this attribute I believe should calls in us, as we think about this week, it should lead us to worship. I want you to talk about that in your small groups tonight, but how does thinking about the jealousy of God lead us to worship? I love how Grudem says this. Grudem says, it's healthy for us spiritually when we settle in our hearts the fact that God deserves all honor and glory from his creation, and it is right for him to seek this honor. He alone is infinitely worthy of being praised. To realize this fact and to delight in it is to find the secret of true worship." And so to help us think about the greatness of God and our calling to worship, him, just remind you of a text we've seen in other weeks. First Chronicles 16. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless. Idols, but the Lord made the heavens; splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy are in His place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established; it shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Then say among the nations, "The Lord." Rains, let the sea roar, and all that fills it, let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for steadfast love endures forever. Friends, God's jealousy is part of the goodness and holiness of who he is and that should drive us to respond, you see here in First Chronicles. As we think about it, I want to give you a closing challenge from Rosemary Jensen. This is her book, Praying the Attributes of God. This is a great prayer for us to think about in light of this attribute. She says, Oh Lord, I confess that I am constantly putting things and others before you. I worship idols more than I even realize. And isn't that so true of us, friends? We worship so many idols that we often don't even realize. I go to others for help when I have to go to you, or when I have you to go to. Moreover, I use your name in ways that I should not. I repent of these sins that I commit again. And again, now I'll take the help that comes from your Holy Spirit. What a great prayer to praise. I think about God's jealousy for us, his people. So as you go to your small groups now, here's some things I want you to think about. First of all, have you heard God's jealousy taught? You might want to even add a question there. Why don't we ever hear this? Why don't we ever think about this? Why do my devotion books never have this in there? Like, why is this not an attribute we often consider? Second, how can we praise God for his jealousy? For to praise God for all things, how does this attribute lead us to praise God. What would that look like in how we pray, and what would that look like in how we sing? So if you come up with some good ideas on that, you can talk to Justin and me about that as well. How do we sing of God's jealousy, right? Read 1 Thessalonians 2:11 to 13. This is the calling to speak God's word to each other, to help each other walk with God. How should God's jealousy motivate us to help each other in Christian community? Number four, God's jealousy is a communicable attribute. What does it look like for us to be jealous for God's fame and God's honor. What does godly jealousy, how does godly jealousy change how we view our sin? How does this attribute lead us to be intentional about missions and, of, and evangelism? And then number five, how can we help each other grow in being jealous for God's honor? This is not something that we do by just trying harder. We need the help of the Holy Spirit, we need the Word of God, and we need one another if we're going to grow in being jealous for God's honor. And then we all have different types of idols in our lives. What are the idols most common in our lives, about which God feels a holy jealousy. And I hope you'll ponder that question, not just tonight, but in the days to come. What are those idols in my heart and the idols in your heart that God feels a jealousy for because he wants us to turn from them to love him? So let me pray for us and then we'll dismiss to our small groups. God, we thank you that you've revealed to us your deep, deep love for us and your jealousy over us. And I pray, Lord, that as we think about that tonight in our small groups in the days to come, that it would lead us to a place of worship of your greatness. I pray it would lead us to a place of taking seriously sins of our hearts that perhaps we are excusing, but most of all, I pray that you would fill us with awe and wonder, that you yearn for us to abide in you, that you yearn for us to know you and to run to you every moment of every day. Give us grace, or We can't do that on our own, so we need your help. Drive us to a place of dependency on you as we think about what it looks like to walk in your in your ways in these areas we ask in Jesus name amen so